Mind Body and Roll is a podcast presented by a psychologist and a physician discussing issues of the brain and body in roller derby. Although Drs. Coxon and Toubey are both trained professionals, their intent in this forum is solely to educate and inform. The information given in this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a trained, licensed medical professional. Mind Body and Roll is a podcast made by derby skaters for derby skaters. Welcome to episode 11 of Mind, Body, and Roll, a podcast providing expert insight on the body and brain of a roller derby athlete from your favorite Doctors on Wheels. I am Spanky, a roller derby jammer and family physician. And I'm Asterisk. I'm a blocker and a psychologist. We're bringing you a slightly strange and unusual podcast today um, because we are living in a very strange and unusual time. At time of recording, today is 21st May 2020, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And whilst lockdown measures have eased slightly here in the UK, we're still under very strict social physical distancing measures. A lot of places are closed. A lot of people are working remotely. Um, I certainly am. I'm working full time from home doing research and teaching from my home office and unfortunately I'm not able to see counselling clients at the moment because I'm not set up to do remote counselling but one of the things I can do is continue to produce podcast because Spanky and I produce this at a distance over Skype anyway so um, it's kind of nice to touch base and uh, do that now. Uh, Spanky what's your situation like at the moment? Um, Well I am pretty distant, but I am working, seeing patients on a much, much restricted schedule. Um, not not inpatients, not sick people, mostly phone visits, and then some, some non-acute face-to-face visits for people who are not ill with COVID. At least hopefully they're not when they see me in my clean clinic. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing now. And I'm also homeschooling two children, which oh, wow. adds a whole nother level of fun to my day. Well, one of the things that you messaged me when we were trying to plan this episode was um, you, you were saying that the seven stages of grief in related to pandemics. And what was the last one on that <laughs> list that you it, said you tried today? <laughs> I hip checked my daughter, but it was an accident. <laughs> I felt horrible because she was definitely not expecting it. And it was it was an it was in an illegal hitting zone, too. I admit I, she it was totally not a fair, fair hit I would be in the penalty box right now if anybody had been watching poor girl oh so so when you mentioned this this um the stages of pandemic grief it it got me thinking actually there there are a lot of similarities between people will know the Kubler-Ross grief cycle maybe uh, related to bereavement but I think that there's there's a lot of parallels with this scenario as well Uh, this is a, a state of kind of loss and grief because we're losing a lot of uh, normality and a lot of freedoms and I, ge- I guess a sense of reality because things are not predictable at the moment we don't have the same um, surety about what's going to happen tomorrow um, we don't have the same surety of safety either um, I know one of the things that happened with me when when this the pandemic first kind of started being announced is I started becoming a lot more conscious about some of my own health and hang- hand washing anxieties I have a little bit of a a germ 
uh, related anxiety and the, the hand washing kind of went through the roof before it even mm-hmm. made news. I, I don't know, as a doctor, I imagine you're quite stringent on hand, hand washing anyway. Um, I would like to plead the fifth, <laughs> which is what we say in America when we don't want to answer that uh-huh. question. No, I, I'm actually, I'm like invented the five second rule and I'm, I don't know, I think because I'm exposed to germs so much that it does feel like very often we can't control what we are in we we come in contact with. So I do I mean I wash my hands obviously and I believe in germs. But I think maybe it's been a little less stressful to me maybe because I I do it's something I have to think about every day and so it's not as like big of a a change over for me. So so going back to the, the stages of grief. I know I've gone through various different phases of this. I don't think I've ever been in complete denial about it I think I've taken it very seriously and I think a lot of my medical colleagues and psychologist colleagues have felt the same they've they've taken it pretty seriously but I've I've certainly been through stages of kind of the depressive stage where it just doesn't seem to it, there's no end in sight and also an anger stage as well I've had some quite angry days I don't know if you have as well or any bargaining days <laughs> I don't know how that would that would manifest in a, in a state of pandemic the bargaining, bargaining. phase I'm, I'm, there's a lot of bargaining with my children about how much screen time they get. Does that yeah. count? But <laughs> It's definitely a form of bargaining. Yeah. And I suppose <laughs> when you're trying to manage work and homeschooling and all the uncertainties of life, the, yeah, the bargaining comes in very handy. Um, but I think majority of the time, because my day-to-day life has changed very little, apart from not seeing clients face-to-face and not, well, not seeing anyone face-to-face aside from my husband, I've been in quite a a steady state of acceptance that this is just kind of how it is at the moment. Um, So I, I, I almost feel guilty for feeling kind of okay with this. Yes. I've, I've been in the guilt stage as well, but I felt the same way you did. And that was during my denial stage, honestly, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, this is fine. Um, The first week of homeschool, it was awesome. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to hang out with my kids all day. I get to be a cool teacher. I could be an awesome teacher. And the school sent, this was before we knew how long this was going to go on. And the school sent out a really nice email saying, oh, don't, don't stress about it too much. Just go outside. It was amazing. I thought I was like, why are people complaining about this? This is Mm. awesome. That did not last very long. And that was definitely, yeah. (laughs) Those were the good old days. Yeah, yeah. But I do, I definitely, I am in your similar situation. The The fact that I'm in a, a relatively rural area where I can go outside and run or ride my bike for miles and miles and not see another person and I have a, you know, big yard for my kids to play in. I feel so lucky. I can't even imagine what this would be like to have multiple people crammed into an apartment if you lived in a city I just all of all of you MBR listeners out there I feel you wish I could you know have you over to my garden and have you jumping on my trampoline every every afternoon um but hang in there god I I don't know how you're doing it absolutely I I I mean before I moved to Suffolk I was living in a one-bedroom flat in London um with my my now husband and we were just saying the other day actually that if if we were still living there um, at a time like this, we probably would have murdered each other by now because um, mm-hmm. it was it was a one bedroom flat and we couldn't get we wouldn't have been able to get any space to ourselves any time because if you wanted to kind of go out for a walk, it it was the middle of Brixton, you know, it was really busy. Um, and I've got friends from other leagues who live in London or live in Birmingham or, you know, live in major cities who've said 
you know, that now that lockdown is quote unquote eased, lockdown hasn't really eased. They're just kind of changing the language around it. And people have, there's a lot of theories about nudge psychology and, and the way that they've branded the, the quote unquote stay alert um, message. And a lot of people have taken that to mean, well, OK, well, we can go out to the beach or we can go out shopping again and my friends in London are saying people are back on the roads and it's really busy again I saw pictures of South End Beach a beach down in Essex it, it was packed over over last weekend because it's you know really sunny weekend people are told they can go out for unlimited exercise and a surprise surprise everyone's thought the same thing we're all going to go to the beach I can't imagine trying trying to live in a busy place in a built-up area and try and manage my feelings with this so I, yeah I do I, on one hand I, I think you know I can live like this but on the other hand I then feel guilty that I, I feel kind of comfortable the majority of the time some days I don't the other day I got into an argument with my husband over something really stupid and and bawled my eyes out it was ridiculous um, and I think that was probably pent-up stress that I wasn't acknowledging um, but yeah the majority of the time I'm doing my work and I'm kind of making busy it is annoying to be in the same house with my husband and children 24/7 on the you know the weeks or days I'm not working and so I mean and I I feel that I'm a pretty well adjusted and in touch person with my feelings and and have a very stable marriage and I um there are still days that I um I'm sort of on the very edge there and so I just I'm certain that there are plenty of people out there really struggling with this and I I mean, how do people, when they're getting to that edge, how do they, wh whether it's, you know, because of relationship is issues or um, feeling lonely or uh, financial stress, how, what, okay, what, so what can you do when you are trapped in this situation that you feel like you, you cannot escape? What's, okay, fix, fix us, Ashley. Wow, okay, big <laughs> ask. Um, I, so, so, I always do this to you and you pull it out, so. I know, you, well, you've, you've kind of, you've got me as a captive audience, as it were, <laughs> so I kind of, well, it's this or, or log off and pretend you never you, ask the well, question. We can pause and you can think No, 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 no. <laughs> I've got a couple of things. So, so the relationship thing, um, it's, uh, you're, you're kind of stuck in a household with, with um, people. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that some of our listeners will will obviously be living on their own and that presents its own challenges of being completely isolated and, and the loneliness that comes with that and some people might be managing absolutely fine with that but some people obviously will find that more challenging but talking about uh, like our situations where we're living with partners or with kids communication is the key and I know that sounds really twee and cliche is that you you know communication is really important but you have to change up the way that you communicate because the way that we're living it now is not the same so you may almost have to be more explicit with expressing what it is that you need because you're seeing each other all the time you may need to just schedule in right between this hour and this hour I just need to be on my own unless you know one of the kids has set her hair on fire or something no interruptions, I just need some time to myself, or schedule time where you can vent to each other, you know, okay, well, let's not have this argument now, let's schedule some time to have an argument. Um, and that it seems really unusual and unnatural, but we haven't been in a situation like this before. So I think it's time to start accepting that maybe we have to change up the way that we address these sort of issues as they come up. Does that uh, make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I can hear that and say, yes, I can definitely do that. But I think one thing that makes it, that sort of made it hard to get to that point is exact something that you said earlier about how we're all in this new situation and we kind of are reacting to it differently. And I, 
you know, I've seen it in myself and, and in my kids. And then I've, I've seen it in some of the patients I've seen. And then just friends who've commented online that this situation is making, there's all these feelings coming up that you just have never dealt with before, maybe, or you, you're just not in a place where you can really understand where they're coming from or recognize them. So, I mean, I can't even tell you the number of people I've seen with abdominal pain that, um, all of a sudden they're like, no, nothing in my life has changed. Everything's fine. I'm okay. Mm. Like, I know it's a pandemic. I know I'm stressed, but, 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 and some of it is really that just, it, it, it's affecting us more than we realize. And in ways that we can't quite explain, I, I had a moment where I was helping my son with something and we, we kind of have routine, regular quibbles about how much he procrastinates doing his schoolwork. And he just kind of had a meltdown. And I've, I had never, I've never seen him do that before. Like his frustration was just pouring out of his eyes as salt water and he's not he's not a kid who talks about that stuff oh sorry that i'm ratting you out buddy but um (laughs) um (laughs) he just poked his head in (laughs) uh yeah i mean it it's like it's 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 hard to do all the right stuff if you don't recognize that stuff needs to be done i think sometimes so i don't know i guess man just accepting that there might be feelings in there and it's not just kids, you know, like like I said earlier, I'd like to think that I'm coping absolutely fine. But then out of the blue, I, I was in floods of tears the other day because, you know, the, the uncertainty sometimes just sits just under the surface and kind of builds away, builds away and then bubbles up out of nowhere um, just because of some inconsequential thing. You know, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back type thing and all the stuff that you've been sitting on kind of quietly exactly um, yeah yeah and and there's there's kind of a theory that I've been doing the rounds which I really chimed with me is that certain groups of people either uh people who a lot of neuro neurodiverse people or people who have experienced trauma in the past or people who have generalized anxiety haven't been struggling to adjust to this new way of living as much as neurotypical people you know people who are not neurodiverse or haven't experienced trauma or haven't don't have generalized anxiety they aren't subject to the normalcy effect so they they are used to operating at a level of at a state of like constant high vigilance that constant feeling of threat that something bad is going to happen so now the world is in a state where something bad is happening and so that feeling of threat is kind of almost justified now because the threat is actually there Whereas before the generalized anxiety, that feeling of threat, you haven't always been able to pin it towards something that's concrete. And that really chimes with me because I I have a certain types of anxiety and I often feel like there are threats all around me um, for various reasons. And I haven't felt like panicked by the pandemic. Yes, I've, I've been careful when I go out doing my weekly shop or I've been uh, abiding by social distancing measures. But I haven't felt the same sort of abject grief that I've seen in some of my friends who've who've found it very hard to motivate to do the usual things that they don't. I've been out on up. This is this seems like a weird flex, but I've been out regularly running and I've kept on top of my work and I've kept on top of my college work. Um, and I've been doing lots of jobs around the house. I've been almost hyper productive because I'm I'm going, right, well, I don't need to drive to Colchester several times a week. I've got suddenly got loads of free time and I've managed to find the motivation to be productive with that whereas some of my friends who are usually hyperproductive people have been really struggling with the feeling of not f- being able to find any motivation to do any of the things they want to even though they know that, that those things are on their to-do list and they really want to do them they can't find that motivation because they're suddenly faced with this new sense of 
impending threat or impending doom that they're not used to. Well, and I think sense. Yeah, definitely. But, and, and also there's the, the fact that, you know, for most of us, well, many people, our lives are so tightly scheduled. I mean, definitely in the States before we moved here, I felt like I was, you know, it was, it was a rat race. You are at work early, you leave late, you have something to do every second of the day. There's a schedule, there is, you know, it's always go, go, go. And I, that's one of the reasons at the beginning of this whole thing that, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of nice. I was like, you know what, maybe society need, maybe we just all need to hang out with our, fa- you know, well, if we can, hang out with our families, it was great for me to hang out with my family, but we can't always, we can't all be with our families, but we can at least take some breaths. And that sounds, you know, everything sounds great for the first week or so, every change, uh, it's like a vacation, but, mm-hmm. but it is, I, I am one of those people that finds it pretty difficult to, um, I, I, I'm, I'm very productive if I have a schedule and a rigid timeline, but if you leave me to my own devices, it's just, yeah, the time is gone and it's, it's hard. It's hard to adjust yeah. to that. Um, yeah. And I tweeted about this the other day because, um, I went for a run the other day and I was thinking about, I was thinking about existentialism, uh, as you do. Oh, um, yes. I'd been reading, I'd been reading some Sartre again as you do and uh-huh, i was thinking uh-huh. about uh sartre's fame i know i'm such a nerd my first degree is in philosophy this these things kind of dwell um but sartre is famous for saying man is condemned to be free there's a lot of kind of deeper philosophy that i could bollocks on for hours about but but um what i was discussing on twitter was i was thinking thinking about well is one of the reasons that uh, some people are really struggling with this quote unquote free time because some people don't have free time some people are key workers and are having to go to work and uh, uh, you know they don't have this nebulous uh, free time that they have to organize themselves they do say they still have a schedule um but i get what you mean I, I thrive off a schedule as well but if you have loads of free time you're then if you want to get things done you have to impose your own schedule onto your time if someone, if if no one else is telling you, right, this is how your get, day's going to run, you have to make those decisions yourself. Um, and go, looking from an existential perspective, one of the things that stops people from making decisions about their life is this kind of underlying feeling of what if I make the wrong decision, and that paralyzes them into not making any decision. Why would you call me out like that? I know, on right? Our because international podcast. Because I do exactly the same thing. Some days I'll be like, right, I've got these things to do. I need to pick a thing to do. And then I get completely paralyzed by, I get paralyzed by choice at like the supermarket. I I go and look at biscuits for 10 minutes and then leave with none. Structured days and some predictability gives us a feeling of security. Absolutely agree with that. Um, It it gives us a a kind of a plan of a, a day to work towards as well. And that's, why uh, when the the lockdowns first started happening and people were saying being told you know you have to work from home i made an infographic about what you can do to make working at home easier and the thing that was kind of on the top of there was make a schedule and try to stick with it it doesn't have to be a nine to five if you want to work from you know midday until eight at night that's absolutely fine if you want to work from five in the evening till five in the morning again totally fine but a schedule with kind of planned uh, checkpoints of things you want to get done by certain times helps to give that day some focus. Otherwise it does become this nebulous blob of I could do anything, which ends up being, I don't do anything. Yeah. A, li- a list uh, at least of, of tasks to complete. Um, that's helpful. I've, I have been, we have good days and bad days with our homeschool schedule, but I do, I do think um, 
they my my children at least do much better when they kind of know what to expect. So I I second that schedule thing. Can we talk for a little bit about loneliness? Can we Absolutely. talk about that? Please let. It's been funny because I like I was just complaining about being in the house, a, full, a packed house with, you know, people all around me all the time and I don't have a moment for myself. But at the same time, I still feel extremely lonely sometimes. And I think it's maybe magnified. I mean, I'm sure people who are alone in their homes will get possibly lonelier than I have been. I always have someone around to who will gladly annoy me at my behest <laughs> but um but it, it's it's been hard because a lot of my family are halfway across the world and so even like just a quick phone call or a text if I'm like oh I should message this person I was thinking of them yesterday you know it's the middle of the night over there so um it's it's been very lonely and I've been left out of a bunch of reunion calls and all the zoom mm -hmm. stuff that's happening I like I'm, I'm just left out it's really upset me like quite badly I feel like no one notices that I'm gone and so I'm I mean I can only imagine that these feelings exist out there among other people i'm not alone right right i would be really surprised if you're alone and feeling <laughs> that really really surprised I, I i think everybody will feel some degree of loneliness i mean it's very rare for anyone to not feel lonely at some point some people thrive in their own company but by and large we are a social species and that's coming from someone who would quite happily be a hermit um, and is married to someone equally who would quite happily be a hermit we could not see each other for days and i think we'd be reasonably happy um but it's we we uh have need, kind of need someone to be a witness to our existence you know you bounce exactly. ideas off other yeah. people um you, you need sometimes you just need to scream into the void for some i oh, know i messaged you a few weeks ago saying look if you need someone to be a witness to your screams <laughs> then i'm here and sometimes that is all it takes. But I was thinking earlier about what it would be like to go through this experience without modern technology, um, you know, without the ability to, to to Skype people or without the ability to even phone people and, and how miserable that would be. So I, I think in that respect, I'm, I'm trying to do gratitude finding in, in, you know, what we are able to do in this day and age. Yeah, but it's amazing. It is amazing. But um, even though you're in a house full of people, yeah, there's people you miss because you have those people in your life because they give you things that your family can't. And that's not saying that your family aren't wonderful. I've, I've had these discussions with my husband as well, is that we love each other very much, but we're very much accepting that we can't be each other's everything. You know, I have um, friends who are musical, who who I do music with. I have roller derby family for, for exactly the reason that I um, I, I need my, my sports friends who also share a sense of humour with or a shared background with. And they add something to my life and without them there, it's almost like that aspect of my myself is missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that ring true with what I, you're I know. Yeah, I get exactly what you what you're saying. And I actually got I got a really nice message today from one of our teammates um, who I had hadn't we're doing a um, we're doing a team video uh, and I'm in the process of editing editing it and she wasn't going to send me a video, but she did. She made one today. And she was like, I am so glad that you bothered me and nagged me to do this. Uh, it was awesome. I'm so glad I got back on my skates. And and she just like, I could see it. I could see her smile in her words <laughs> of the message. And it made me so happy. And um, yeah, I and then just 
I'm thinking of every single person in our league right now and just thinking like, I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss everybody, everybody, you know, because I think it's very easy to forget about all these people we don't see very often. And, you know, even if I don't comment or like their post or their tweet or whatever, when I, if I see evidence of their existence, I'm reminded like, yeah, that person's a part of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I miss them when they're not there, um, even when they're not just sort of virtually there. And so I hope, I don't know, I guess I would just encourage everybody to be there, like in whatever way you choose to be there. Maybe you're not on social media or whatever, but like, try to still just be there, not necessarily for people in sort of a therapist role, but just to like exist to, to, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You're the existentialist here. Decode this, all this crap. Yeah, no, it is, it's acknowledging people's efforts to connect as well. And you're connecting back. And that's one of the, you know, I I know people, uh, people sometimes laugh about the whole like thing being a very lazy way of, you could comment on something and why would you just like it? I think liking stuff is really important. I try to like loads of people's posts on Facebook to say, look, I've seen this and it made me smile or, you know, I, I didn't just scroll by. Um, I if have, I can comment yeah. on stuff, I do try and comment on uh, more and more stuff now, but especially as I'm not seeing people face to face, I've been commenting on things or sending messages saying, oh, I just saw you posted this and that's, that's been really inspiring. Um, yeah, I do try and big people, I, like I've, I, I think it's, I can't remember who, but someone posted on Instagram, can someone please encourage me to go and out for my run? So I just sent them a message saying, just go out running for five minutes and leave it at that and see where it takes you. And, you know, and they came back to me later and said, yeah, no, I did go for my run. Thanks for encouraging. It was really nice feeling. It was, it it was is nice, nice to feel like you connected with someone, even though we're miles away, you know? And I was so... I was too lazy even to like posts. So now I'm liking them. So I feel like I'm making progress, right? But yeah, I, 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 have, I have, you know, um, I've definitely kind of reconnected with some people online that I hadn't really, I don't know, maybe you just, I didn't have time before, but now I realize, you know, there's, there's a little more time and there's, that's that social connection that that's kind of the only way, the only way we can get it these days. So I was sorry to hear you said um, reunion Zoom meetings that you you were left out of. That that sounds really crummy. I mean, nobody intentionally left me out, but sure. when you're scheduling a meeting, that um, yeah, it it like just happens to be at two a.m. here. Uh, I could have woken up at two a.m. I could have. I should have. But yeah, no, it's it's that sort of. Just the nagging feelings, I think, that when you when you don't have kind of ongoing social interaction that reminds you, like, I am a I am a social creature. I must say hello to that person. And when this person smiles at me, that means I am a valid part of this herd or whatever, you know, tribe. Um, when you don't have that, all of the other all of the other inputs become that much more meaningful. Um, and the lack of input is almost maybe, you know, maybe that's this, this looming thing is that there isn't, there isn't as much input. Well, how much can a virtual, how much can a little blue thumb mean compared to, you know, a smile or someone laughing at your joke? Like, so that, I think that has made everything a lot more. Uh, <laughs> what, like di- difficult to deal with, I guess? Um, just, uh, yeah, there's more weight to each, each interaction because they're sort of rarer, right? When they happen, when you have a real sure. person-to-person interaction. Sure, and you don't have you don't have the immediate feedback as well if you yeah. do things in writing or or over um, over phone or over video conference. You don't have the same 
and this was a criticism of like online teaching or online counselling, is you don't have that same non-verbal cues that would, you know, put people at ease that, you know, something might have been a joke or something might have been said um, sincerely rather than flippantly. up with this you know well people have got it a lot worse in poverty or whatever um but i i'm very much of the mind that yes some people may have it worse than me but that doesn't make my pain any less real and i i would say the same to you as a friend not as a as a psychologist as a friend i would say to you just because you can rationalize this by saying people have got it a lot worse than me doesn't make make your pain or loneliness or difficult feelings any less real and, and minimizing it doesn't make them go away um, so you need you need to attend to your your challenging feelings, you know. Otherwise, you're just kind of pushing them down, and you bottle things up. And we know what happens. Um, so yes, as a friend, I, hip, I hip check children. Apparently, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we cannot have this. No. I want everyone to know she's okay. She was not abused in any way. She's fine. It was an accident. Not like she's a roller derby player in the moment. <laughs> she is. Yeah, I'm trying to draw this back to, to roller derby because I'm, I'm conscious that our audience, yes, we are all going through this pandemic experience alone, but collectively. Um, but primarily, we are obviously a roller derby podcast. Um, and you've mentioned that we're doing the Don't Rush Challenge for SRD and a couple of other nearby leagues have done this thing and it's been very inspiring. And even though I had planned to take a, a break from roller derby this year, and now everyone's taking a break. Sorry, guys, I don't know if I jinxed it or something. Um, I decided to also partake in the Don't Rush Challenge because I wanted to be part of a community thing. I realised that actually, even though I wasn't missing skating, because I intended to have a break from skating this year anyway, I was missing that kind of community uh, collectiveness and that sense of connectedness. Um, so I decided to, you know, take part and then be part of something bigger than myself. Um, and I wonder... Um, is it you? Is it you and Suffolk Punch that are organising this thing? Is yeah, that, that's is correct. It's been, you know, I, one thing that I didn't realise about Derby is I was there was a fair number of chatting going on about just the sort of logistics of Derby and practice and training committee and the team and stuff like that. And it doesn't, you know, at the time it's kind of a nuisance, or even if it's fun, it's it doesn't feel like necessarily a social interaction. It feels like you're just getting business done, but now that I don't have that, I realize like a huge proportion of that was just just even having that social interaction, having something to talk about with people, um, even if you, you know, you were sort of more teammate um, centered or logistic centered rather than friendly social centered. That's a big black hole in <laughs> in yeah. that Derby has left, even uh, apart from the skating, which I think we're all going to be. Oh, I was trying to imagine what kind of workouts we could just today. I was thinking about this, like, okay, how could we do non-contact practice? It's going to take everybody forever to get back to skating form. And I'm going to, because I'm the, like the most conservative, like fitness, like we need to all be prehab so we don't get injured. I'm going to be like, no, no, no guys, we need to slow down. And then everybody else is going to be like, no, we need to hit now. And it's just, it's going to, and I actually got really, I got really excited about all this conflict and being able to actually argue with people because that's, that's how bored I am and how lonely. 
I don't think it's boredom. I think it's it's the variety of human interactions that is missing. And sometimes I think, am I just arguing with my husband because I feel like I just need something to do that's emotionally charged and it's terrible. When I start thinking about it, I think that's really screwed up. But actually, (laughs) it's pretty natural. Um, We need stimulus, right? We we are. There was another hypothesis, I guess, I saw circulating on social media where someone had said, do you ever find yourself kind of scrolling through the same four apps on your phone, like a tiger pacing up and down in its cage? And someone replied saying, yes, you are like that tiger. You need (laughs) variety and mental stimulation. Um, So, you know, go and put some, what was it? Go and put a pound of raw beef into a pumpkin and kick it around your cage. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we do do need stimulation and, and being social animals, we do need that variety of social input as well. So I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes we just want conflict for something different so you've got the don't rush challenge that you guys are doing i've, I've seen a few skate pallets have you seen yes. the skate pallets? Like my own skate pallet just to try and be part of the fun uh, what else have i seen roller derby leagues doing oh i've seen like zoom hit workouts people have been organizing hit workouts over zoom which just seems i can't imagine anything worse i hate working out <laughs> indoors it is the worst thing um organized fun you can take your um, phone outside it's even worse out there. it was like 32 degrees in the sun today it was ridiculous that means it's like 90 degrees americans sorry <laughs> which for uk is very hot and it's only may it's only gonna get worse i hate it does hot feel it is and it was humid as well oh god um, quiz nights yeah uh, I've, seen, I've been to one quiz night i've been yeah. really bad at those but yeah there's been a lot of kind of people trying to keep that sense of community because obviously where we've been meeting once twice three times a week we're now not seeing each other at all and it is weird so yeah it's been really heartening to see people connect over things it's not the same but then Mm-mm. it's a weird situation so we're kind of trying to make the best of it and seeing communities rally together to try and make the best of it is really nice and obviously, we don't know how long this situation is going to go on for. I've had friends say, oh, and in September when X happens, and I've been like, really? Because from my perspective, I don't know how you feel about this, Spanky, but from my perspective, I've cancelled all my plans for the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be pleased if something happens earlier than that, but I'm, I would rather play it safe and um, cautious. But anyway, we don't know how long this is going to be. Um, Spanky and I would like to continue making podcasts in whatever capacity we can in that time obviously it's going to be different because we're not playing roller derby at the moment but we are still having a bit of a community and trying to cobble together what we can so if you guys have ideas of things you would like us to talk about or if you would like a Q&A session with us do you have specific questions about stuff related to psychology and medicine related to roller derby or if there are wider things that you want to talk about I know we kind of had a conversation around some of the aspects of psychology and medical around COVID. Are there other things that you want us to just discuss? Obviously, this comes with the caveat that I'm not an epidemiologist, neither is Spanky, um, and my uh, specialist knowledge around the psychology of trauma is limited, but we would love to have conversations. And if you guys have questions or you want to contribute to that discussion, we would love to have you on. Please, please. I'm so lonely. (laughs) That's pretty much it from us for today i know it's been a little bit fly by the seat of our pants would that be fair spanky yes we agreed there would not be any evidence discussions during this one no i think we both just need to kind of vent (laughs) vent our spleens um, because we're both feeling like 
I, I've found a couple of grey hairs. That is no exaggeration. I found a few grey hairs. I've never had grey hairs before this year, and they are all popping out now. Um, and I don't know if that's related to turning 32 or if that is related to all the stress. I can't. I can't see. I can't wait to see everybody when they come out of lockdown because I feel like <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of people who are newly grey haired. Uh, I might oh, be one see, of them. My for for you listeners who don't know, my husband has a lovely. Uh, Mane yes. of white hair. Um, my husband looks like a poor man's Geralt of Rivia, for those of you who like Witcher. He's got long, long, like brilliant white hair. Um, and he just came home from the supermarket having done the weekly shop. And he, he bought two boxes of like brightly coloured dye and he was like, right, you're going to dip dye my hair for me. And I went, Are you, hey, this is, you've reached this stage of lockdown, have you? So he has like Harley Quinn style, one blue and one sort of lilac coloured um, pigtails now. <laughs> he's amazing props uh, tell him i said good work i you know what i'm really sorry if i didn't like that post but i did see it and i loved it uh, so hopefully i you know did my duty uh, yeah yeah that's Sometimes. it that's that this is the new the the new normal <laughs> i hate that phrase unprecedented times this is the new normal uh, but this is the normal for the time being is a kind of free form um venting of spleen and chatting and i hope you guys have enjoyed it um but until next time um you can find us on twitter at mind body roll is that it <laughs> Um, and on Facebook, Mind Mind Body and Roll, and on our WordPress blog, which is mindbodyroll.wordpress.com. But yeah, we will see you. Well, speak to you next time. Probably something similarly related. Um, we'll work it out. And we hope you are staying safe and healthy and as happy as can be under current circumstances. So I've been Asterisk, and I've been Spanky, and you've been listening to Mind Body and Roll. Mind, body, and roll. Body and Roll is written, produced, and hosted by Amy Toubay and Astrid Coxon, with music written and performed by the Interesting Times Gang. Find our episode notes and more at mindbodyroll.wordpress.com. Mind, body, and roll.